Well, welcome this morning, church. Uh, we are uh, continuing the last week in our uncomfortable series. How many of you felt uncomfortable uh, as we've been talking about these things? Don't lie. You felt a little bit uncomfortable. That's right. Uh, as we've been uh, talking about some uncomfortable situations and this idea that sometimes the thing we want, comfort, is not always the thing we need, right? Uh, and how God can use these uncomfortable things uh, in our lives to bring about uh, change and growth and progress uh, in different things. And, and last week, um, we talked about people and uncomfortable relationships, uh, and that maybe brought up a lot of different things in our minds and our hearts. Uh, I know that it did for me, and I know that it did for those of you that I, I talked with, and this idea that the person that we want God to take away from our lives the most may be the person that we need the most, right? That through our, our loving and through our forgiving and through our living, that uh, there may be change brought about as God continues to shape us uh, and to allow us to uh, step uh, down these paths that he leads us to. Um, but it ain't easy, right? Uh, and it's difficult. Um, and, and some of the conversations that I had, uh, it brought me to this place where I, the, I think that we maybe need to talk about it a little bit more and see what that maybe looks like just a little bit more as we um, struggle with this idea of, of forgiveness and we struggle with this idea of uncomfortable people in our lives and how we just want to get them away, right? Um, but maybe uh, God can work in, in, in many different situations uh, in life. Well, uh, as uh, we had kids... Uh, it's Pastor Stephanie and I. Um, one of the first things I did for my kid, JoJo, when she was born, is I dressed her in the hospital. If you've ever dressed a newborn, you know that it is horrible, right? <laughs> like, there's no other way to explain it. There's little bitty socks and there's little bitty pants. And I had no clue what I was doing. They took pictures of me. They laughed at me while I was dressing JoJo. But now uh, I have Jack. He's a two-year-old. Uh, he's a little bit bigger. And my job is to dress Jack every morning, seven days a week, um, for the activity of life, right? And so I get the privilege of dressing Jack. And, and, and if you've ever done anything with a two-year-old, you know that everything with a two-year-old is difficult. And that's just how it is. And you just embrace that process and you do it, right? But um, I, I've been trying some, um, we use experiment language, some experiment type things on how to make that process of getting dressed easier in the morning. Uh, and it's been really interesting. You see, Jack just wants to wear uh, two things in life. Uh, he's kind of like his dad. I, I wear a hat pretty much six days a week. Uh, and this is the only day I did my hair this week, right? I just want to do the same things all day and wear the same things. He just wants to wear his Paw Patrol shirt where the sleeve is unraveled and there's ice cream and different stains. That's, that's his shirt or his dinosaur shirt, right? Because who want, doesn't want to wear that shirt? That's an awesome shirt, right? And so every time we come to this situation of being dressed in the morning, Jack wants to wear these shirts. This morning, he wanted to wear his dinosaur shirt. Right. But I know if I wear I put the Jack dinosaur shirt on him that I'm going to get the stink eye from mom. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Yeah. So I know that that's not that's not going to happen. And so um, in the beginning, when I first started to dress Jack, um, I would just not say anything and just put his clothes on him. But now he knows what he wants to wear is the Paw Patrol shirt or the dinosaur shirt. And he's very insistent on these shirts. And this is what he wants, right? And so in the beginning, I just put the clothes on him, and then he'd notice that I want to wear that shirt. I don't want to wear this shirt. This shirt's ugly. The tag's itching me, et cetera, et cetera. He's got a thousand reasons, right? 
Uh, and then um, I got to the point where I was just angry, and I would say, be quiet, we're putting your clothes on you, you're not wearing that dirty Paw Patrol shirt, right? Or I'd act like it was lost, or it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't there, or whatever, you know, like we lost the Paw Patrol shirt, Jack, I apologize, I'm going to do this. Uh, or just, just put some clothes on as fast as we can. Uh, but then, now I've found that I have the ability to convince him that he should wear certain things, and it's become fun. I make it a game, right? I have to, every morning, it's as if I sell him on, on these items because it, it will be better for everyone in the long run. And so we have certain things that we do. Uh, I'll, I'll just get excited about these things. Uh, this is my favorite, Jack. Today, you get to wear your holy jeans, and you're going to look like a rock star, right? And it's awesome, yes. And Stephanie wants to throw these away, but I won't let her, right? These are cool. People pay for these. Teenagers pay for these, right? Or uh, I'll continue. Uh, uh, this one is my, one of my favorites. Jack, today, we get to wear your yellow button-up shirt. You'll look like rubble from the Paw Patrols because he's yellow. Yeah, right? He's excited. He's excited about the Paw Patrol shirt. Yeah, and it's a button-up, and it's yellow, and it looks like rubble. If you don't know who rubble is, he's yellow. Or this. Uh, this is the one that I used this morning. In fact, uh, well, he didn't even wear a button-up shirt this morning. We had a, a sweater that mom had specifically requested. It was a little bit harder this morning, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll do this one instead. I, we, do, we do these boots. Now, these are just normal boots. They're cheap boots from wherever. We just got these boots. I don't know why we wear these boots. They weigh eight pounds, right? But these boots have now become the Bob the Builder boots. Jack, you get to wear your Bob the Builder boots. We're going to fix stuff today. Woo! And then every Sunday morning, it's time to go to church, Jack. You get to wear a shirt with buttons and there's a pocket that we could put lapstick in and you're gonna look like dad because you're gonna wear your fancy boots and it's gonna be a good day yes right how many of you've been there don't lie every morning it's a it's a different challenge it's a different thing to get him to wear the clothes that I want him to wear. And so uh, as we continue in this uncomfortable series, we're actually going to read in the book of Colossians a uh, verse that Pastor Stephanie stole from me and used in membership things this morning. This idea of the clothes that we wear, the, the, they, the ways in which we're to, we're to love others around us and what that might look like, especially when we talk about uncomfortable people. Uh, because there are some things that we can put on that won't help us in any way. And there are some things that, that Jesus is calling us to that he knows that it's best for us, right? Mom won't give you the stink eye when you come to church if you wear these things, right? They're, they're good and, and they're right. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, we'll be there today starting in verse 12. Colossians chapter 3, starting uh, in verse 12. But I want to give you a little bit of background on this book. Uh, this is Paul. He's, he's, uh, he's writing to the, this church. He's 
about to set up or, or he's already started to set up some contrast, right? Um, that, that, that you were once this way and this is what you've done and this is what life used to look like and these are the things that were part of it. But now, since you've been raised with Christ... This is what life is to look like, right? There's some, some contrast. We all like that, that contrast. It gives us some imagery uh, to, to, to see what life might look like. And so uh, this is the living as those made alive with Christ section. Uh, verse 1 in, in that chapter 3, which I won't read them all, but I'll just give you a little highlights. It says, since then you've been raised with Christ. You've set your heart on things above. There's this different way. Verse 5, you've put to death. The things that, that marked your old life, right? When we talked about uncomfortable people, these might be some things that mark our own life. You, you've put to death these, the, these old things. And, and the message version translates it as this. I love this. It says, and that means killing off everything connected with that way of death, right? You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of things such as these, anger, we get angry, rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. And, and you are, are to rid these away, right? There, there's that contrast. This is, what you've, this is what you've done. This is the old way. This is how it is. It even opens up the boundaries of people. Right? We used to have these dividing walls between us. You were this, and you were this, and, and there was no uh, intermingling going on. Verse 10 of, of that chapter. So here, there's no Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but in Christ is all and in us all. That's why we can go to church with people that aren't like us. There's no boundaries uh, there that, that Owen can wear his Steelers shirt and we all know that the Chiefs are better but we still live with Owen right it's, it's, we don't have no boundaries there we still love one another so he's taking down the boundaries and then we get to our verse today uh, starting in verse 12 church hear the word of the Lord this morning Colossians chapter 3 starting in verse 12 it says therefore and he set all this up Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord has for forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so we've given this, this contrast. You put away this anger and this malice and this, the, this way of life that you, you once lived. And now I want you to put on these new things. We have that clothing illustration. Put on, on these things and this way of life and these virtues and these traits of life as you interact um, with everyone. And so we're just going to look through uh, some of these, these virtues this morning, especially when we talk talk about uncomfortable people or difficult people or people that have hurt us or, or, or people that we, we live life with on an everyday basis. And the first one is this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness. Uh, Luke chapter 7, we have instances like this all over uh, the Gospels. Luke chapter 7, 
Jesus is walking into a new town. He's got his uh, disciples with him. It says that he's, he's got a, uh, a crew of followers, people that are, are following him, and they're walking into a new town. And, and as they're walking in, it's, Scripture tells us that uh, a, a dead body is being brought out. It says that he, he, he sees the, the, the body and he sees this woman. And it turns out this woman um, is a widow and this is her only son, right? And so he's going into this place. He, he's walking along, doing uh, what Jesus does, going to, from place to place, sharing the good news. And, and he stops in the, in the middle of the road with all these people in this caravan. And verse 13 of chapter 7 in Luke says that when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Or, or your version might say, when Jesus saw her, his heart broke. Right, that there was a there was a stopping and recognizing of the woman and what she's going through and what uh, what this means that her only child has has now passed away. There, there's this this recognizing of of the other. There are multiple places in the gospel where we see this, uh, and some of them are just uh, seem to be silly, but they're they're good. He's thinking from the other's perspective. Uh, in Matthew, we have Jesus feeding the 5,000, but a little bit later, he feeds the 4,000 people. And in that instance of our particular, it says he looks out to the crowd, he sees them, and I believe it even says that they've been there for three days, and he has compassion on them because they're hungry, right? He sees, he sees from their perspective, he sees what they need, and, and that they are hungry, and so his heart it flows with compassion for them. I have compassion for these people. They've been here all this all this time. I see life from their perspective and they are hungry. So this idea of compassion calls us to have this deep sensitivity to the other's needs, not just our own, right? Jesus doesn't have this facade of compassion, but we see that the compassion moves into action with this idea of kindness. Right? So he has this compassion, he sees what it's like on, on, from their eyes and from their side, and now comes the kindness when Jesus acts, that he raises the widow's son and says, hey, come back to life, like go be with your mom, right? Yes, he has compassion, he sees the hurt, he sees the heartache, he sees the, the brokenness involved, and he moves in what he can do and what he can give, and it's Jesus, so he can give a lot, Right? He, he gives of himself, he, he moves with kindness and, and raises the widow's only child. Or in the instance of, of the hungry people, he sees what they're doing, he sees what situation they're in, he hears their bellies rumbling, and he moves with what he can give, right? And what he can give is more than enough fish and more than enough bread, right? It's a fish fry at this is the side of the mountain. He's moved with kindness, that kindness is this Christ-like attitude towards others, that I want the best for the people around me. And, and Mr. Rogers taught us this, right? Like, this is no surprise. Mr. Rogers taught us that we're to be kind to the sock puppets that live next door, right? It was duh. Right? We're, to, we're to be kind, but, but this, this idea that, that Christ-like kindness, Christ-like attitude is that I, I give for myself even if it costs me. Now, even if it costs me something, that's why one of our core values is that we give our lives away so that others might know Jesus. 
I know that on a Saturday morning when we're doing a project, you can be in your easy chair watching college football because I was yesterday and it was awesome, right? But we give our lives away so that others might know Jesus. It's this kindness that is Christ-like attitude towards others, that kindness flows out of a compassionate heart. I want to clothe myself with compassion. I want to see how others see. I want to feel how others feel. And I want to, I want to have this kindness to move to action in Christ's likeness. And then we continue. We go from compassion and kindness to now humility, gentleness, and patience. We're going to like heep it on. This is, this is beyond Mr. Rogers' neighborhood now. We're moving a little bit deeper than sock puppets, right? We're moving a little bit deeper than Daniel Tiger at the moment, who is kind of a whiny little character if you've ever watched. Right? We're now at humility that it's this opposite of pride and arrogance that I'm not going to walk around life acting like I have everything figured out. I'm thankful for my wife who reminds me of that on a regular basis. Right? She brings about humility uh, in me. I'm not going to walk around life thinking I've got everybody figured out that my perspective is, is best, that I've got all the answers. But even Christ, the Son of God, right, walks around not so that he might be first, not so that he could be served, but to serve. And this is our, our model. I'm going to place others before myself. I'm going to live like Jesus. I'm going, to, I'm going to have this humility about me that is, that is just noticeable. I'm going to put that garment on. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to have gentleness or meekness. Right? If you're, I shaved my beard this week. I should have waited one more week. I could hit this point home a lot better, right? Like if you're a man in the room, gentleness is not on the radar. Right? You've been told all your life, and I've been there, the gentleness is not on the radar. I struggle with that. Remember, I, I grew up with all women. A single mom and a grandma took care of me. And so I didn't have that, that picture in my home. I was, a, I was an all-state football player that would go home and knit with my grandma on the couch sometimes, right? But I could see as I stepped back that it was about being tough and having a beard or doing this and having some macho stuff. And, and that's just what you're, what you're supposed to do. And, and gentleness wasn't involved. Sometimes even people of the church, men of the church, didn't model gentleness, right? It was a, it's not just something that's there, but it's not just men, it's, it's women too, right? We all struggle with this idea of gentleness or meekness, that gentleness is how we approach people, that I'm not going to run people over to get what I want, I'm not going to run people over to get what I need. I'm going to put on this, this garment of, of gentleness. Here's Jesus who has this incredible power. And if I were Jesus, which this would not be good, right? if I were Jesus, I would use my power to control some people. Right? Like, be quiet. Go away from me. Like, just get, get out of here. If I was Jesus, then I would use that incredible power to, to, to make life comfortable or easy for, for myself. And, and, and you did this, and, and that's okay. Then, then I'm going to make you do that, and you just obey this way, and I'm going to get it done. But thanks be to God that I'm not Jesus. That Jesus doesn't use his power to control. He could. 
Right? That's that, 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 that imagery that I've given multiple times, and, and I love to do it in youth group because I can I bring a teenager up front, and they don't like that, and it's fun, right? But this idea that God is not putting his thumb in your back, making you do things, making you do stuff and not do stuff and, and doing these things, but God is a God who invites us. He's not using his power to make you do stuff. He's, he's rather using that power to invite, which is, is more powerful, by the way. Using that power to stay, no, you should probably stay away from that. I want the best for you. Or, or no, you should probably come down this path. This is what will be the best for, for you. It's not a matter of me pushing my thumb in your back and making you do it, because that doesn't end up in, in good places usually. It's the invitation, that we're to have this, this gentleness about us. I'm going to put this garment of gentleness on. Rather than control people, I'm going to use it to love people. Rather than using my influence to, to control the actions of others around me. Some of us have this opportunity in our workplaces, in our homes. Rather than using that, that influence or that power to control, I'm going to use that influence and that power to love and to invite. Not forcing anything, but gently inviting to, to good things. And with the gentleness comes the patience. If gentleness is how I approach others, then my patience is, is my reaction towards others. Think about this for God's perspective here. <laughs> like, mercy. Lord, have mercy on all of us, me especially. Tom, I really want you to, I really want you to follow me. Like, this is a good place that I'm going to lead you to. Like, please come, and then this is me. Oh, squirrel, right? Oh, what, what, what do you need? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. Think about the, if the gentleness is there, then the patience has to be there as well. If I'm going to use the power to influence and get the job done and make it happen and force something to happen, then I don't have to have patience because I would just make it happen. Right? Same, with, same with life and same with, with our interactions, but, but there's to be gentleness and there's also to be patience. If gentleness is how I approach others, patience is my reaction to others. It's how I deal with others. Paul uses a word here that carries with it this idea of a long-suffering endurance. This is a long game. This is a long-suffering endurance. This isn't microwave stuff. This is, this is like turkey dinner, be in the, in the thing, oven for I don't know how many hours. A long time. This is you smoker guys. Dave Moody, this is smoker business here. It's not going to take 10 minutes. It's this long-suffering endurance in the face of indignities or, or injuries, even injuries by others. It's, it's the long game here. My patience is my reaction to the people. And we, every one of us knows that it's hard to have patience with people. It's hard to have patience with circumstances. It's hard to have patience with our kids. It's hard to have patience with our spouse. It's just hard to have patience. But oh, how much God has patience with us. Over and over for every squirrel, right? Over and over again. 
the invitation, the gentleness, and with it comes the patience. Paul continues, he gets deeper and deeper into this with verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Or if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So here's the old way of life, the anger, the malice, the, all that stuff. I want you to get rid of that. Cast that away. Don't be a part of it. Put to death all the stuff that was, that was involved with that sinful life, right? All the stuff that was involved in your own way. And now I want you to, I want you to clothe yourself in these. I want you to have this, this gentleness and this patience, this humility. I, I want you to, 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 to be involved in these things. You are a new creation, and this is what it looks like to be new. And so we have this, the, the, these things, and, and they're pretty heavy. And then it continues, because we live with people, and we know that we need more. It says, well, bearing with one another and forgiving one another are both ways that we put these, these clothes of ours on that we find in verse 12. Uh, verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a, has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We talked about this a little bit last week, this idea of, uh, of forgiving, this idea of, uh, of, of laying down what we could use to beat others over the head with. Right, that, that over time, that restoration in relationships looks like this. In fact, forgive, forgiveness, that, uh, that word forgive means to loosen. Right, That over time, that restoration, when, when I came up here and I said restoration looks like this, and I slowly moved a pinky, right? that it's going to take some time, but God calls us to be people that are marked not by anger or hate or malice or people that pick up that thing that is unforgiveness and try to beat others with it, but we're people that, that are allowed to, to loosen our grip on that anger. Loosen that grip on that, on that hurt. Loosen that grip on whatever it is you fill in the blank. And we all, we all have some. Little and huge. But this idea of bearing with one another and, and having this patience and having this gentleness, it, it, it's a lot. Bearing with one another is this idea of enduring with or holding out with difficult people and circumstance. It literally means to hold oneself back. To hold ourselves back, to demonstrate self-control and restraint in the face of challenge. That idea of suffering long comes again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick it out. Now, this is an important place to remind you that we're not talking about you sticking out through abuse. That's not what this is about, right? And if you are in a place of abuse, we'd love to help you not stick it out. This is not oh, what that's talking about. But when we talk about the idea of difficult people in our lives, our first reaction and what everybody else tells us to do is just to shake it off. Like this is like Taylor Swift country. This is how she makes money, right? We're going to shake it off. I won't do that for you. Right? That's reality. And we like it. We will, we will sing that song in our cars and we will do it. Right? We will separate ourselves, and if I don't like you, then you just go on with your life and stay out of mine. Right? 
If, if, if I don't like somebody in the church or they made me angry, then I'm just going to go on. If I don't like my uncle, then I'm never going to talk to my uncle again. Or if I don't like whatever. But this idea of bearing with one another completely makes us really uncomfortable. Because it's not that we're trapped in relationship, but we have to choose to bear with relationship. There's sometimes where we are trapped, right? Like your coworker. Carl is a jerk, and you have to sit in a box with Carl all day. Right? There's, there's, then what's your choice? Your choice is to be angry at Carl all day, or your choice is to bear with one another in love. So the, it, we're bearing with one another to hold ourselves back. We could give Carl, if your name's Carl, I completely apologize. That was ad lib. We can give Carl our mind. Like we can, we can put it up and, and, and we, could, we could tell him, but we're going to bear with one another. We're going to hold ourselves back because it's not about us. We're going to demonstrate some self-control and restraint in the face of challenge of listening to Carl every single day. Talk about whatever it is that Carl talks about. We're going to suffer long. We're going to be in this place and I'm going to forgive. I'm going to lay down that desire to pay back whoever it is for what they've done. I'm not going to drink the poison and hope that they're going to die and hurt myself, but I'm going to forgive. I'm going to loosen my grip on that. And and Paul knows, because Paul knows, and Jesus knows, that relationships are hard and difficult. And relationships are requiring grace after grace after grace. There's just lots of it's required. They require endurance with putting up with others' human frailty and sin and shortcomings and blind spots and the pain that they inflict on us, both intentional and non-intentional, and misunderstandings and insensitivities and apathy and wrong perspectives and attitudes and belief and just other people's just weirdness. It takes a lot of grace to live with each other. It takes a lot of grace to bear with one another. It takes a lot of grace to forgive and to forgive again. Remember, 70 times 7. Over. Every time I see him, I forgive. Over and over and over again. But relationship is important here. I could easily, I mean, we've talked about that, I could easily become Virginia Mountain Man and live in a cabin and eat worms. But relationship is what I need. Relationship is, is what you're, you need. That When I'm confronted with difficult and uncomfortable people in my life, the condition, and I don't even like to say this, uh, When I live life with others, when I don't isolate myself, which would be more comfortable for my personality, maybe not yours, but for mine it would be more comfortable. When I don't isolate myself, when I live in relationship, when I don't run at every hint of problem and I bear with other people, even when it's silly or even when it's difficult, and I continue to invest in relationship, what happens when I hit those difficult ones is that the true, the true condition of my heart is revealed. Like when tough stuff comes, the true condition of my heart is revealed every single time in my, in my reaction. We're not talking that you said, you, you said a bad word and now Jesus doesn't like you. 
right? That's not it. It's the condition of our hearts and, and the place and space that we are in and, and the directionality of my life that when I'm in relationship, that stuff is brought up. That when I, I'm in relationship and I bear with one another, I'm confronted by all of my junk as well as other people's junk and there's disgrace needed all around. I'll never forget a couple of different instances in the life of the church where I realized as a young person that things weren't as they seemed. Where the outside appearance didn't match the condition of the heart, and, and that was a pretty hard thing to see. But sometimes I think it's just easy to look good and never be confronted by the ways in which I'm unloving. It's just easy to just to go on and, and to, to run from that relationship and run from that revealing, and, it, and it's, it's easy in our world, right? Like if I were to equip your car with a dash cam without you knowing, I might see some interesting things. <laughs> I might see your commute on the way to Boise when you're uh, 10 minutes late and the ways in which you speed and, and honk and, and maybe some other things, Right? I do that sometimes as well because it's, it's what I'm doing that's much more important than everybody else. Or there are times when, when we're frustrated and we're in the line at Walmart and there's lots of lines and you've got to choose which one you go to and you choose not wisely, right? <laughs> and you go to the line that ends up being longer than the rest. And, and you're, just, you're just there, and, 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 and you, you maybe it's not a good place to be. Or when you're with your waiter at the restaurant, and they got your order wrong the seventh time, and, and you're, you're in this place of frustration and, and of anger. Can you get with the program? Because it's my program. Can you get the program? Because it's my program. I, I do these things, and I'll say I, but I'm really saying we, but I'll say I just to make it more comfortable. I do these things because I'm arrogant, or I'm proud, or because I think that the world or the universe centers around me. That's why I, I do these things. But the problem comes when I think that these things are just normal. In little everyday things of life, I'm not confronted by, by the reality is that when all these things add up, when, you, when I follow you with the dash cam or when I see these things or I see these things in myself, they equal unloving. It's not me. It's me being unloving. But they're just normal. It's what everybody does. But when I'm confronted with the brokenness of relationship, when, when I'm confronted with difficult people, uh, again and again and again, I'm revealed to the true condition of my heart. We're running over time, and so the band's going to come, but I'll, I've got to finish this last part. That it's in those relationships that, that, that I see this brokenness. But it's also in these relationships that God can do an incredible work in me. I've heard stories this week, your stories, of the ways in which you were in places and spaces with people that hated you, but you stuck it out. Maybe because you had to, it was work. Right? And you, you continued in life and you cried out for God's help. And now that you're looking back on it, you realize that in that you have been changed. That old Carl, he taught you patience. Old Carl, he taught you lots of patience. 
He was absolutely crazy and mean, and you were not very comfortable, but God brought about change. And, and, and I don't get all fired up like I used to, that I've grown in grace for one another, that I'm more gentle, that, that I take a perspective that is their perspective, that I see their hurts or I see their pains because of Carl at work. And it turned out that Carl was having a hard life. If I can love Carl, I can love anybody. You see the change? That God uses these things to, to help uh, us to, to change and to grow in, in grace. But the world says that all these virtues will get me in trouble and fast track me to a victim's appearance on Inside Edition. Jesus says, clothe yourself with these things. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. Oh, how we need Jesus. As our band comes, we are invited to, to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. God, what are some ways in which I'm running from relationship? What are some ways in which I'm running from Carl, but you're moving? And you've brought up some of these things this last week, and, and, and what do you want me to do? There's some unforgiveness that we are trapped by, without a doubt, where we carry each and every day, and it is destroying us some places and spaces that we need God's grace the good news is in all of this where we're told to clothe ourselves it's as if Jesus is inviting us to that changing table every morning we always want the Paw Patrol shirt it's comfortable it's what we always wore it's got all the stains of life on it He's inviting us to put something else on. But the good news about Jesus is that he doesn't just throw the paw or throw the shirt and the and the pants and the and, and the shoes at our feet and say, do it, figure it out, do better, be gooder. It's not what he's about. But he gently pulls the shirt over our head. And as we awkwardly maybe don't like it, he guides our arms to the armholes places them in one by one he straightens our collar and he and he helps us with our pants and and he puts on those bob the builder shoes piece by piece moment by moment god brings about restoration in us that we cast off all the things of our former life and we put on the new clothes so let's be open to God's movement this morning. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we are thankful for your guidance. We're thankful for your grace that you have more than enough for us. Over and over again, may you continue to shape us to be your people in the easy stuff of life and in the hard stuff. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand for the benediction, the blessing uh, as you go from this place. Beloved children of God that are loved, as you go in your ordinary moments and also in your times of conflict and relationship, may you remember verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. May you go in action and go in peace. You are dismissed.